Hey, welcome to the Stinky Truth Podcast, Martial Earth, alongside my buddy Mike Evans, Mike in Denver, Colorado, me in New York City. I'm a city boy right now, traveling around the streets of New York. It's been great. Mike, good to see you. Good to be with you again this week. Yeah, good to see you. You look great. This is the the most you've yeah. ever dressed up for our Stinking Truth Podcast. What gives? Yeah, well, you know, I'm doing a little TV here in the city. That's what we call it. You know, when you're out here on the East Coast, we just call it the city. We don't call it New York City. We, it's just the city. And it goes without, you know, without any further explanation. Uh, so I, I've got Colin Cowherd a little bit later on Fox today. I did the Carton show today. Uh, so I'm just out here kind of bouncing around, uh, throwing some NFL topics around, talking a little bit of NBA as well. So, uh, I know just enough to be dangerous. Just <laughs> just enough. I don't know much, but I know just enough to make myself dangerous. So these NFL topics, I assume that you probably talked a little bit about Aaron Rodgers, and I wonder in the city if they're starting uh-huh. to get nervous about whether or not this Aaron Rodgers trade to the Jets is going to go down. There is, there is no question that this is – like, this is a big topic, Mike. And interestingly enough, so I'm doing the Carton show, and you know Craig Carton. Craig Carton's a legendary radio guy. He's got the TV show. Like, like Carton is – Carton's – I love Carton. He's a good dude. Um, and he's a bit quirky, you know, and he's got some FM DJ in him, right? But – Carden is like when Carden says, Hey man, I got this information. Like he's got some sources, like he's pretty connected guys been doing it for a long time. And his sources had told him that the San Francisco 49ers actually reached out to the green Bay Packers and are putting the parameters of a deal together to go after Aaron Rodgers. And now I think, Certainly the Jets are still the front runners and everything else. But then it also comes out, and I believe it was Mike Florio who reported that during the NFL Combine, the San Francisco 49ers reached out to the Minnesota Vikings about a potential trade for Kirk Cousins. So you think about it. Now, Kirk Cousins obviously was drafted by the Washington Redskins when Mike Shanahan was the coach there. And Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. They believed in Kirk Cousins enough to draft him out of Michigan State. Oh, by the way, on that same staff, Matt LaFleur was coaching under Kyle Shanahan. So one thing about Rodgers to the San Francisco 49ers, he walks in there and that language is identical. Now, the difference being that Really, from a personnel standpoint, Mike, like the Niners are going to use a lot more two tight end formations, a lot more two back formations than maybe the L.A. Rams, because McVay was on that staff as well, or the Green Bay Packers with Lafleur. But the language is identical. The plays and the concepts are identical. The way we read those, the, the way we read those progressions out is identical. Everything is coached the same. We'll just, you know, one one team will major in three wide personnel or 11 personnel, where another team may major in 21 personnel, two backs and one tight end, or 20 or, or 12 personnel, one back and two tight ends. But all the language is exactly the same, and the play concepts and designs are the same. 
And, and one of them, you know, is is the F, which is the which is the formation adjuster. But the F is the third wide receiver in you know in San Francisco's or a third wide receiver. Let's say if they're running a three wide set, is a third wide receiver for the Rams or for Green Bay. Where if you're running a two tight end set, the F is the second tight end. Right. So it's just a little bit different in the way we we run our personnel groupings, but everything is identical. Everything is the same. And so, like, would it make sense? And then you say, well, San Francisco gave away all their picks a couple of years ago to go get Trey Lance. Well, the truth of the matter is what they thought they were getting in Trey Lance and what they got in Trey Lance, I don't think or I don't think. They, I don't think what they thought he was is what he is. And I think they look at it like a injury, everything else. We'll give up a Trey Lance and a couple of third rounders and uh, maybe you want a, an Iuk or whatever to get Aaron Rodgers. We already have the best roster in football. Now we couple that with arguably the best quarterback in football and an NFC, which has been dramatically weakened because all the quarterbacks are now in the AFC. We're direct. That's a direct path to play in a Super Bowl. So th- there's so many angles to this, and, and let me just start with with the one that comes first to mind is San Francisco has to be looking to kick the tires on another quarterback. They don't know if Brock Purdy's going to be healthy, and even if he is, I mean, really, do you, do you do you see the confetti sure. rise, raining down on Brock Purdy? And should the 49ers be hell bent on trying to get? a quarterback, be a Kirk Cousins or an Aaron Rodgers. This is a Super Bowl caliber team, Mark, but they don't have the quarterback in place to to finish this thing off. They should right. be uber aggressive. They should be in on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you, you asked me about the city and how the city feels. The city's concerned, man. They're looking at the, the Jets going, dude, move heaven and earth. Go get him. You know, and they're trying to negotiate the right pick and what do we have to give up? And they want something back on the back end. If Aaron Rodgers retires after one year, you have to give us back a draft pick, a caliber, you know, a you know, like a second or fourth round or third round draft pick back. Like and the Packers are saying, absolutely not. Like if he retires, that's on you. It's not on us. And uh, I mean, I, I would I would ask you this. If I were the New York Jets. Do you think the Rams are concerned that they mortgaged the future and now they're going to have to kind of pay the piper? They're not going to make them give back that world championship ring, are they? They still get to live it and bask in that glory, don't they? Like, but how? But how much do the Jets want to go all in on Rodgers? Because you make the move for Aaron Rodgers, great, but you still have arguably the second best quarterback in your own division behind Josh Allen, and uh-huh. arguably you have the following quarterbacks that are ahead of you in the AFC, Allen, Burrow, uh, maybe Herbert, uh, Mahomes, of course. So right. how much do you want to give up for Rodgers, understanding that, yeah, you're you're getting your answer at quarterback, but is it still going to be the answer that's good enough to raise you high up in the AFC, even in your own division. Yeah, I I would say that in your own division, and I would put Rodgers ahead of of Josh Allen, just would you? pure quarterbacking. Yes, um, 
But with that said, I mean, Josh Allen had some red zone issues through a lot of picks. Like, I would put Rodgers ahead of him. But, like, it puts you in the conversation of the the four or five teams in the AFC that can actually win a championship. Because their defense is stellar. They've got some young talent. They should get Brees Hall back. They've got Garrett Wilson. Um, you know, they went out and got Lazard. Will OBJ come there if they get – like, they have got some talent, Mike. So it puts you in that conversation. You've got at least a chance. And so, like, again, I, I live in this world of known commodity for unknown commodity. Like, you want the 13th overall pick? Like, if you're the Jets, you had the third overall pick. You took Darnold. He's in San Francisco as a journeyman backup for the rest of his career. You had the second overall pick. You took Zach Wilson. Like, what do you covet the 13th overall pick for? You're just going to screw it up anyway. (laughs) You might as well get a known commodity, right? I mean, like, I'm I'm walking the street. So, I got to tell you a story. Last night... I went, uh, I walked down the street and there's a Chipotle a block away down the street. So I'm walking, hoofing it the whole block, hoofing it all the way, Mike. Down to, yeah, down to Chipotle to get myself a burrito bowl. And um, there's these guys on the corner. They got a little weed stand. They're selling weed. And, uh, they're like, oh, hey, stink, you know, and they're like, oh, you hate the Jets, and what do you think about the Jets, and what do you think about what Carton said about, you know, about Aaron Rodgers going, and I'm like, oh, you know, we talk for a second, so I go in, I have you know, my little burrito bowl, I come back out, and uh, I sit down with my guy who runs the weed stand, uh, I think his name was Kevin, and I sat and talked to him about the Jets for last night on the streets of New York. Right there on, uh, I think it's uh, 8th, 44th and 8th. If you want to come down, we'll have another powwow tonight if it's not raining. Um, and uh, and you know, we just we just chopped it up. Uh, we chopped it. He sold weed, and we chopped it up about uh, we chopped it up about the Jets for like 45 minutes, um, and and the NFL in general. And I, I tell you what. The people of New York are really concerned because they're just like, we are so used to the Jets screwing things up that like our ex- it's like you and I, we have this expectation of the Rockies, the Colorado Rockies. Like it's a great it's a great venue to go watch a game, to have a beer, to eat some peanuts and stuff. But we expect them to win about 65 to 70 games somewhere in that. So that's just what they are. Like the people in New York are just like the Jets are going to find a way to screw this Aaron Rodgers thing. I just know it. And so there's a lot of nervous energy right now in the city. I don't know what the bigger story was that out of all that, that you helped sell weed for 45 minutes on the streets of New York City or in a city like New York where there's some of the finest dining in the world, you went and got yourself a burrito from Chipotle. Uh, no disrespect yeah. to Chipotle, but, but you know, still, in New York City for a couple days, I, I might raise the bar a little higher there, Stink. <laughs> I um yeah you you might you you might think that but I like I usually don't like to leave the hotel like I'm just yeah. kind of hunkered down and so when I walked over there I was like I'm just gonna get something really quick and then go right back to my room and lay down 
Um, and then I ended up, I ended up getting like in that conversation. Now I didn't actually sell the weed. I don't know if you need a license or anything, but I was there during well, the sell. You were a draw though. You were a draw. I mean, immediately you're, you're like, you're, you're, mm. you're making that the most famous corner weed stand in New York city, at least for that. Yeah. Point. I'm sure by the way, while I was sitting there, um, the, you remember the, 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 uh, not the movie, but the, uh, TV show scrubs. Yeah. One of the one of the actors walked right by. It must have been with his son. Walked right by my weed stand, <laughs> and uh, I don't I don't know. He does the he does the commercials. Yeah. Uh, the T the T Mobile commercials. Right. Remember the T Mobile. Co- yeah. Was it the? I, I don't remember. Was it the white guy or the black guy? I don't know which. It one. was the black guy. Okay. It yeah, was a black guy. Yeah. Yeah. I. I mean, I don't know his name. Offhand, but I could see him right perfectly right now. Right now. Yeah. He didn't even take it. He. No, no, he didn't even take a glance at my weed stand because he had. Uh, he had his. I would. I'm assuming he's a son with him. Yeah. So he just walked right on. He walked right on by my weed stand to that large man there helping to sell right. weed here on the streets of uh, New York City. Real, real. Back to the. The Packers' role in all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, do they owe anything to, to Aaron Rodgers in terms of, hey, the relationship that we've had for so long, even though it has been strained of late? Aaron, we want to still make sure you go to where you want to go, and we'll right. take a little bit less in what we're asking for to facilitate that, or has the relationship been sort of strained or even fractured enough that the Packers are in a very enviable position where they could just say, hey, we're going to get the absolute most we can, and we'll call Aaron's bluff on all this. Yeah, I think I think ultimately Aaron holds the cards in that, Mike, because he can still retire. And so if you want to get compensation and you want to – you know, you want to increase the value of your franchise because if he retires, you get nothing. So I still think that there that relationship is important on the Packers for for the Packers to make sure that they can they can maximize the value of the trade as long as Aaron goes. You know, if Aaron goes, I ain't going to San Francisco. I don't want to go back home. Sorry, I'll retire. Well then. It does you no good, right? So then you have to negotiate with the Jets. So I think it, it it behooves them obviously to make sure that they they do right by Aaron. And I don't think the Packers have any intention of trying to screw him over. Like um, they want the best for their franchise, and they owe it to you know to their stockholders, if you will. So yeah, I believe they'll do it. I believe they'll do what's in the best interest of Aaron because that's in the best interest of them maximizing the value of getting rid of Aaron. Now, while you've been hunkered down in your hotel room, only uh-huh. occasionally heading out to get Chipotle or, or help sell weed with Kevin. Or uh, wait a minute. Or do or 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 making formational flashcards in my room so that you can see just the different flashcards that I have a stack here. But like, if you've ever been wondering yourself, like, uh, like, Hey, if you get in this weak cluster formation right here, like that is, that is what, well, that would be slug, right? Wait a minute. 
You see that? That would be that'd be slug right right there. So that's a, a cluster, a weak side, a weak side bunch is a, a cluster formation. But that is slug. Oh, I dropped some of my. Hold on. Oh, I'm back. Well, you, you, you you really need a hobby. Uh, but you have had, in addition to making flashcards. Yeah. Boy, what a nerd! You've also been very uh, active on Twitter this week, arguing with Lamar Jackson fans. Care to bring us up to? date on that yeah well i mean i think ultimately mike you know people hate the truth uh, especially in today's society people just do not like the truth and instead of just accepting the truth for what it is they want to make it about race or they want to make it about something that it's not and you know everybody sits there and says well i mean you're you're a fool for not going after lamar if you're the jets or if you're you know a team right now that that needs a quarterback if you're the atlanta falcons or if you're the indianapolis colts or if you're the da 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 and you know what i what i've been trying to educate folks about which obviously you know people want to spit numbers in my eyes like qbr numbers and and garbage like that i mean it's total bullshit because it has no context to it and so i'm like think about it from a team's like from a team's perspective okay because everybody's like why is lamar not getting signed by somebody else so first off in today's football there, there are two types of tight ends. There is the blocking, big, you know, end of line of scrimmage tight, like my day tight ends, right? Those guys are called the Ys, okay? And then there are the movement tight ends and the pass-catching tight ends. Those guys are called the Fs or the Hs. So in today's game, there are very few kind of quote-unquote Y tight ends. Back in my day, everybody who came out was a Y tight end, and you didn't have a real receiving type of tight end. Now, everybody's a glorified wide receiver. A lot of them transitioned. A lot of them played wide receiver, and they put on some weight and became tight ends. And that's what the league, or that's what college football is creating now. So that's what the league has to pick from. So if you go to Baltimore and over the last few years, you look at their tight end room. I remember doing a game there two years ago and I got my producer to take a picture of me and I got in their little, they're just standing on the sideline, right? Cause the defense is in and it's Mark Andrews and it's a couple other guys, a, a cat named Boyle, I think, and a couple other dudes. Every one of the dudes is six foot six, two seventy. <laughs> I mean, I look like a little tiny. I look like a little tiny dude next to him, right? And and so there are all these big blocking, like wide tight ends. Then you add a fullback into the mix, who is a former D tackle, who is six foot four and three hundred thirteen pounds. He's one of one in the National Football League. So now all of a sudden, if I'm a team, I've got to go, not only do I have to go out and get Lamar, and I have to spend $200 million to secure him, and I have to give up two first-round draft choices, and that's just the start because the offense that the Baltimore Ravens run is unique to the Baltimore Ravens. So am I going to go out and try to find a bunch of wide tight ends that don't exist? 
Am I going to go out and get myself a 313-pound fullback? Oh, by the way, am I going to fire my offensive coordinator and go out and get Greg Roman to implement that offense? And on top of all of that, on top of all of that, that's an offense that run, that he runs that's unsustainable. He's been hurt. He's missed five games a season the last two seasons, 34% of the snaps. He's missed them. And I'm going to spend $200 million on a, on a quarterback that I think may have a shelf life of three to four years? No, thank you. So you think like there's so about you think it's more about <clears throat> about uh, th- those factors style uh the the kind of players 100- you have to have around and it's not so much about the money as it has been talked about mostly so like for example when Justin <clears throat> Herbert or Joe Burrow come up for their contracts yeah. if this popular held opinion is that no NFL team it's collusion nobody wants to go above that Deshaun Watson 230 million dollar guarantee you think that will be tested by these quarterbacks like Burrow or Herbert where you don't have to give up two first rounders and you don't have to overhaul your roster right I think well I would tell you this the collusion thing I think is bullshit like do I think they don't like the Deshaun Watson contract absolutely If Justin Herbert were a free agent right now, if the Chargers said, we don't want to pay you, like we don't, whatever, and we put you on this transitional tag or whatever, where you can go out and negotiate a contract and and we have the chance to match it or get two first rounders right now, right now. So Justin Herbert is in the exact same shoes, in the exact same place, at the same approximate age and everything else that Lamar Jackson's at. Now, Lamar's got an MVP, Justin Herbert doesn't, right? But if you're in the exact the exact same scenario, Justin Herbert has 15 teams that are making him the highest paid player in football right now, without question. And that has nothing to do with, with racial, anything to do with racial. It has to do with the style of play, the fact that he can fit into a traditional offense, and the fact that the bigger fact is, Mike, that you look at Justin Herbert, you say he'll be our quarterback for the next 15 years because of the style with which he plays. You can't say that about Lamar. You're nervous about Lamar. That's just, I mean, to me, like, am I, I'm the only one on crazy pills. Like, am I the only one that sees that style and says unsustainable? Like, why do you think the Baltimore Ravens haven't gotten it done with a long-term deal? Because they they know it's it's not a sustainable form of offense. And then there's the question, like, okay, so hey, Lamar, like I, I get this all the time, you know, and, and I've been messing with people on Twitter. They're like, oh well, he had this QBR and he did these numbers and stuff. And I go, oh really? Okay genius you know who's spitting numbers in my eyes like if you spit numbers in my eyes there's two things that happened okay two things that happened one you either didn't watch the game so you're reading me the box scores and you read me some insane you know analytics numbers or two you watch the game but you don't know dick about football right you don't know anything and so now you're spitting numbers in my eyes because you don't know shit one of those two things so I asked, uh, one. <laughs> yeah, I, so I got, I got, a, I got this one dude that's all over me, right? 
And so you want to shut a dude up like that. I said, okay, really? That's that's the fact. Let me add some context to it. You tell me, genius. Like, you tell me, based on all your, you know, football knowledge and all your film study, what, what coverage do teams play against Lamar? What coverage do you see them playing? Like you go ahead and you you tell me what they what, like what the coverage is that they play, and uh, and and fill me in on why you think he's having success throwing the ball. Crickets. You know why? Because you don't know. I mean, it, it, so what what ends up happening, Mike? When you run the ball the way they run it in condensed, heavy formations with multiple tight ends, and you get. You get numbers. You motion the guy across, and now all of a sudden we're blocking, you know, five on four, and my quarterback is running the ball, right? When you have that ability, you know what you're getting? You're getting 100% of the time, you're getting a single high safety or zero coverage, but you're getting a single high safety. What that means on the outside is on the outside, you're getting you're getting man-to-man, cover one, or cover three, which is a zone, right? But it's all single high. So out of single high safety, you're playing one or you're playing three. You're getting any vertical release, any vertical route, you're man-to-man on the outside. So you break the huddle, and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt what coverage you're getting 100% of the time when you play the Ravens and they're running the snot out of the ball. So, like... You you break the huddle and, and that's what happens. Here's like you know what you're getting. So if you get a vertical release, you're getting you're getting man to man. Like it's it's 100. percent And so what ends up happening when all of a sudden the Ravens are stopped and they're not running the ball and they fall behind in a game, you know what happens? And you don't have to defend the run like that anymore. Now you can mix up coverages. Now you can change things up and. And Lamar has not proven that he can go out and win those type of games. And so teams look at that. I mean, teams look at that like and say, okay, well, that's their style. And we don't know that we can implement that. Like we don't like, we don't know that all of a sudden you could put him in a traditional offense and he can throw you back into a game. Like he could be a drop back, throw you into a game you know, more of a traditional quarterback. Like, the jury's out on that. I'm not saying that he can't do it. I'm just saying that so far he hasn't done it. And I I know this. This is just the history of the league, and it doesn't mean that this is gospel. But this is the history. When you are so athletic, your default mechanism, when things go wrong, is becoming being an athlete, going out and scrambling around and making plays with your feet and making plays being an athlete. And that becomes your default mechanism. Mike, it's hard when that's your default mechanism to all of a sudden go, you know what, I'm going to let that go, and I'm just going to pick people apart. Because you have been God-gifted with that athleticism. And I, I really have yet to see guys that have that gift really transition to, you know, maybe Steve Young um, did it. There's probably been, but they're few and far between the guys that really transition when they're gifted that way athletically because they've always been able to overcome a bad play through athleticism. And when that athleticism starts to wane, 
you know, have you developed the skill set to do it another way? Let me, if I may, take this time to offer a bit of a public service announcement to uh, anybody out there who wants to engage Mark in a Twitter battle. You may think you're getting under Mark's skin. You may think you are triggering Mark. Let me tell you, this is all a game to Mark. Okay, He's having fun. He loves this. So uh-huh. unless you really are, are fully committed to go 15 rounds with this guy, understand he'll be able to wait you out. That's all I'm saying. Okay? Be forewarned. Be forewarned. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Very, very good on you uh, developing that public service announcement. I, I don't know about you, Mike. I, I truly believe that at the end of the day, Lamar goes back to Baltimore. Signs a three-year deal, and and here's the thing: like I have to give a lot of credit to John Harbaugh. I've had this conversation with John. John truly loves Lamar. Um, John, you know, John stood on the table for drafting Lamar. Said that we're going to do this thing. Completely, like when Lamar became the quarterback, completely changed the offense. Coupled the offense with the defense so they matched. I mean, they've done everything to build a football team around Lamar. And I think that's one of the other things that that, that people that look at it and you know are, are triggered or look at it like there's some racial divide going on or something's going on here don't truly understand. I think a lot of the people in the NFL understand exactly what the Baltimore Ravens did. They built an entire offense – and an entire defense around the style with which Lamar plays. And I haven't even brought the defensive part up on television. They built their whole defense around the style with which Lamar plays. So you think about it. Here's how they've done it. Like, they know they can run the ball. They can possess the ball. There is no team in football. And I'll go back to his MVP season of 2019. There was no team in football that ran the ball with more frequency and more yardage than the Baltimore Ravens did on third down and four plus third down and four plus is almost a hundred percent throw in the national football league, not the Baltimore Ravens. There's nobody that ran it more frequently or, or with for more yardage than Baltimore. And there's nobody who threw it less on third down and four than the Baltimore Ravens. Now, that's how they're built offensively. Defensively, the way they're built under, at that time, it was Wink Martindale. They said, hey, man, we're going to blitz you on first, second, and third down. We're going to come after you. And you know what we're going to be able to do? Get you behind the chains, especially on first down. Make it a third down and seven plus. Sit back, play coverage, get you off the football field, and then let our offense just possess the ball. And at the end of the day, in the the first quarter ends, you've had one possession, you're down 10 to nothing, you've had one possession, and now you're looking at three quarters left going, shit, we'll be lucky to get eight possessions in which normally is a 12-possession game. And it totally takes you out of the way you play football. They built their whole team that way based on Lamar. And I'm just saying, how many teams are willing to do that? And how many teams can do that, Mike? Because you're no longer building a whole team on a rookie contract. You've got to give him 200 million bucks. Like, 
like it just is like if we would just use some common sense instead of just being automatically triggered because we think something's unfair like it, uh, it would save a lot of angst and anger and hostility well if you would like to continue this conversation with mark you'll be able to find him at 8th and 44th street at kevin's weed stand where you can continue this debate in person with uh, a yeah. fella so yeah all right well you know I, that's your time in new york city <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to the weed stand right now. Um, no, I think Kevin, I think Kevin, it was either Kevin or Keith. I think it's Kevin. I think he shows up and he said he showed up around three or three 30. So, uh, I'll, I'll do Colin Cowherd. Then I'll walk to the weed stand and, uh, and chop it up with you guys. The, 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 the friends of the show. There you go. <laughs> All right, Mike, for everybody who uh, listens to the stinky trip podcast, we truly appreciate you for Mike. I am Mark. You guys have a great one, and we'll be back with you next week.